Hello, everybody. This is Maria Pesson, founder of For Women Over 50. Welcome to my podcast. And I am very happy to have Victoria Costello here on our podcast. Victoria has just recently published a book that will be coming out next month. It's her first novel called Orchard Child. She started writing it 10 years ago and finished it and for her 70th birthday, and it's now coming out. So never too late to do something that you want. Victoria, thanks for coming on our show. Let's introduce yourself, tell people about you. Yes, well, first, uh, thanks for having me, Maria. I love your podcast and the whole community you've created around it. Um, So as you said, I've been alive for now seven decades as of this year. And you're right, I feel like um, I, I'm just now honestly living my best life um, that might make me a late bloomer, but um, I suspect it's not that unusual to take this long, especially for women, to become all of who we are. Um, I'm living and showing the world my authentic self, and when it isn't terrifying, I have to say it's a wonderful feeling. That's great. So what's been so good for you that this is your best life? Well, uh, it's not to say that the past decades were so bad. Um, Of course, some of them were some dreadful moments, months, years. But I think the difference now is I've done the internal work to figure out and accept the hard lessons um, that I learned along the way. I uh, raised in the process two sons who um, are uh, have turned into wonderful young men, um, kind and doing what they want. So that makes me really gloriously happy. Um, the last couple of years, I left a marriage. I uh, moved from the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay, where I lived for three decades and left my two sons there. Um, and uh, moved with my two cats, uh, Luna and Venus, uh, to a cute little cottage in Southern Oregon um, and uh, meeting new people. And actually, I have to say, it's the first time in my life I've lived alone, which it only occurred to me after I finished some construction in my new kitchen And I thought to myself, how did this happen? I have managed to never live alone and um, I love it. Yes, I have lived alone. Um, My son still lives with me now, but when I was in my twenties, I lived alone. There's nothing like closing the door and having the space all to yourself. And I think you appreciate it at our age even more. Yeah, and you know, funny things like, oh, I think I'll have dinner at three o'clock today. great things like that, which, you know, raising, I was a single mom when I was raising my two boys and, um, you know, it's, I, and I never enjoyed cooking for instance. Um, you know, everybody's a foodie these days. And I usually say, you know, when you had to cook dinner every night for 22 years, uh, it's sort of less fun, especially because they're picky and don't like interesting things. So yeah, that's a good fun part of now too. I'm actually starting to cook interesting things. Oh, good for you. So before you wrote your novel and your um, memoir, 
you were a science writer, science and neuroscience writer. How long did you do that for? Well, I kind of evolved into it because I started as a journalist working um, in Washington, D.C., covering news. And uh, then I migrated into documentary film and uh, made, I got an Emmy for some of that work and uh, made films yeah, about some, you know, lots of big topics, usually um, other people's lives and issues. Uh, and uh, eventually um, kind of life interrupted and interceded and um, kind of made me start sharing things about my own life and experiences in what I was writing. Um, so whereas I had spent probably about two decades um, working on things like, you know, neuroscience articles for Scientific American and um, some, you know, a lot of video work. I did a show for the Disney Channel on uh, the on nature, on nature show, which was uh, tying... Wow. Tying a lot of varied things, haven't you? Yeah, but it's sort of same beat, I guess. I guess I would describe my beat as science and psychology and parenting. So uh, especially after I faced what I'd have to say is like the worst thing could ever happen to me is what I thought. Um, when my 17-year-old, then 17-year-old son had what his doctors called a psychotic break. And um, this happened after he drove my car into the fence surrounding the high school that he just dropped out of the day before. And uh, this was, you know, in the uh, waiting room, the parents' room of the psychiatric uh, hospital that he went to at UCLA at the time. And um, I was asked to give a family history going back three generations. Of course, they wanted to know what other mental health issues had been in the family. And that was kind of a panic moment because I realized I had no clue about my grand anything about my grandparents other than their names. These They were from Ireland. They're immigrants in the early part of the 20th century. But like most kids of immigrant, you know, generation second and third, you you kind of assimilate and you accept that you don't need to know who and where you came from. And uh, so this got me, you know, I was by necessity, I had to look back and see who these people were. And that's when I became quite fascinated by ancestry and intergenerational trauma, things like that, that I then wrote about in my memoir first, and then told much the same story, but fictionalized in my soon to come out novel. And I should say if this by this point, um, that my son did have a couple of tough years. And um, he is fine now and out of no longer in treatment. Um, for what eventually his uh, diagnosis was schizophrenia, but we caught it soon enough that um, he was able to really come out the other side, uh, fully functioning adult. And in the process, I might add that I had to then look at myself and realize that I had been dealing with un 
diagnosed major depression since I was a child. So uh, that came out of it. And, you know, the way things happen are sometimes odd, but, you know, and I would never have been able to receive treatment if I hadn't gone through what I went through with him. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. And I'm glad he's doing well now. But did yeah. that make you, so that made you kind of change what you were doing? Yeah. Well, it made me, you know, when I wrote the memoir, which I did after, you know, kind of all hell broke loose and settled down, um, I uh, I wrote it because um, not so much because I thought the world needed another mental health memoir, but that I discovered so much that wasn't, you know, that if I had known these things about how this kind of diagnosis is not really a life sentence and that treatment can for take many forms, um, that um, I wanted to share what I had learned. Uh, and so I released a, a memoir called A Lethal Inheritance, which basically told our family's story, but also... Um, so it then your family schizophrenia? Um, it, I, I never found out that there was that specific diagnosis, but of course, as most people realize, that that kind of thing was rarely diagnosed. <laughs> um, so what you find is just a lot of um, addiction and alcoholism and, um, you know, early deaths, suspiciously early deaths. And, you know, my own sister died at 38 of a heroin overdose. So what you know whatever the family trauma was it had been continuing to affect each generation and my feeling was that i want i wanted to stop it with my sons and going forward i wanted to uh, have us acknowledge what we had inherited and kind of turn it around which is the story i ended up telling again in my novel which is called orchid child and uh that in fact, within with fiction, I could kind of chart the history from the point of view of the people who it's who are experiencing it. The so I tell my grandparents' story, and I um, include the youngest is the fourth generation, and he is the orchid child. And in case anyone doesn't isn't familiar with that term. These are kids who are um, have inherited an extreme sensitivity. They're also called extremely sensitive children and adults. And uh, in this case, the boy uh, is uh, he talks to trees and hears voices, um, but rarely people. And he and his aunt, who becomes his instant mother, uh, take off for Ireland because she from New York because she's just been, lost her job. She's a neuroscientist and has uh, been disgraced in a sex scandal. And so they're each suffering from the family wound in a different way. And they end up in Ireland, not aware at all that they're in the land of their ancestors. And that's where uh, family secrets start to unravel. Um, you know, some of the war-related treachery and forced emigration that I found out a little about in my, in reality, but then was able to, in fiction, fictionalize and um, kind of ask myself, well, what if this happened? And 
I also wanted to be sure to cover, kind of include what the strengths were that they also inherited. And, you know, this kind of uh, my doppelganger self, who was my protagonist, Kate. And uh, so one of the things that these characters inherit is um, second sight, one of, you know, the boy. They don't tell us too much. Yeah, well, that's a key point, and I'll leave it at that, because the second sight becomes kind of the flip side of the orchid child's you know, mental health challenges, um, because there's a gift involved. So I'll leave it at that for now. Sounds good. So we look forward. Will we see it on Amazon? Yes, it is available for pre-order now. And it's also in uh, it's paperback, ebook, and audiobook for those who prefer listening to their books. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. So how does your life change when you start writing these books? Do you continue to do your day job? Or well, you I, you know, I don't um, have a day. I just quit my day job. Let's see, that would be 2018. I was working for a research publisher called PLOS, P-L-O-S, that uh, publishes open access studies. So really the heart of research in my job there was to explain it to the lay audience. Um, so the, I was pleased to leave it and have, you know, all day to write and obsess about writing. By that point, I was deep into writing this novel. Um, and um, I consider my writing, uh, it's been a through line my whole life. I've started, I wrote as a young child, probably because I felt like I was basically a weird kid and it didn't feel safe to tell people much about what I was seeing or feeling. And, and also I did grow up in a very chaotic household. And uh, so, but I've written and now I get to um, kind of write everything that I maybe hadn't shared before and um, make it up, which makes you know, sharing a little bit easier. And um, so I consider it a healing journey, the writing that I do. And one of the things that's come out of it is that I've now been teaching what I call life writing, which is, you know, people who write are writing either a memoir or perhaps their first novel. And they, you know, kind of use at least I encourage them to use fiction to imagine kind of what might happen and either with both, you know, genres to kind of get at maybe the deeper truths that can sometimes come to you when you think you're writing about someone else's life. And it dawns on you, like in the case of my protagonist, Kate, who I gave most of my neuroses and my, um, daddy issues uh, that, you know, there's at the end of it, you've actually worked out something that has been kind of a gnarly issue for yourself, which in my case was always falling for unavailable men and realizing why finally and kind of letting go of it as my character let go of it. So you've kind of reinvented yourself, wouldn't you say? I think that's very true. And uh, that's what I'm coming back to what I said. I think, um, yeah, I think 
coming at age 70 to be coming out with my debut novel um, is kind of, you know, considered reinventing. But also, if you look around, some of the most interesting books right now, I'm sure your listeners have read many of them, Lessons in Chemistry, the Bonnie Garmus book that's been on the bestseller list. And um, she, she released that, her first novel in her 50s. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of women, older women, over 50 women on the bestseller lists and some for the first time. So I think that's a sign of, you know, kind of the themes that you celebrate here. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the other things you did that you reinvented yourself? Well, I think that kind of, you know, moving here, I, I didn't know anyone here. It's this is Ashland, Oregon. It's a little town of 20,000 people. You might have come here for the Shakespeare, um, which is here. And um, but it's like a, a little progressive artsy community. Um, and when I left my second marriage, I just knew that I wanted to be somewhere I didn't have to like go down the hill and get on six freeways, you know, to get anywhere, which is kind of the way it is in the Bay Area. And uh, that uh, I wanted kind of life to be simpler, but also to really put myself out there. So as soon as I got here, I started teaching at uh, Southern Oregon University, the OLLI program there, which is for mainly for um, seniors, but also, um, I got a lot of different ages in it. Um, my two classes there, you know, at the end of the pandemic, I was teaching in person. And, uh, you know, a lot of women in our age group are writing their life stories. So that's been really fun and having to put myself out there and now having a bunch of events online and in person for uh, the release of the novel. So, you know, and I joined a church, I have a kind of unusual spiritual life in that I am a, what I guess you call a high church Episcopalian and a pagan at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so that I um, do a lot of study of indigenous and in this more recently Druidic um, spirituality and mysticism. There is a fair amount of that in Orchid Child, I should warn people. Um, there's a druid and even a pair of fairies in there. Um, so sounds like a very interesting book. <laughs> so my spiritual life is is very important to me, and so I've joined a wonderful little church up here, uh, and I go every Sunday, and that's kind of new um, for me to kind of find my place to express myself and do kind of the inner work. That kind Have of you had trouble making friends because you're new in a community? You know, that this is a very easy town because a lot of people move here after they retire, you know, or they come for the theater. So, yeah, it's been easier than I thought it would be. But, you know, the other thing about uh, getting to this point is accepting the fact that, you know, there's this new term, kind of new term out there, neurodiverse. And it's been used a lot, and it still is by the autism advocates, self-advocates. Mm -hmm. But I also, at one point or another, realized that I am also neurodiverse, because when you've been dealing with 
depression and a fair amount of anxiety your whole life. And even though I'm, I've been on in treatment for ever since I discovered this about myself at 41, um, I, uh, you know, there's certain ways in which you're different. Um, I, for instance, can only handle a lot of intense input, like from people or events for like, I think my, at my max is about an hour and a half at the most. And then I just need to be alone. And um, solitude is a wonderful thing. But, you know, for some reason, we all, you know, a lot of women, I would say, feel guilty when even though we know we need to be alone, and um, but it's like, oh, well, how can you just do that? Go off and take care of yourself. So that's one of the important ways that, you know, I'm neurodiverse. I'm also, um, I've kind of finished a lot of my um, giant responsibilities, mainly raising these two boys and, and having a big career. So now this might be a small career, but it is um, what exactly what I want to be doing right now. So it's your passion. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So you found your passion mm -hmm. in the later part of your life. You said yeah. earlier that um, this is the best part time you've ever had in your life. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it, it's also kind of an easy place to be all of who I am. Um, because it's, there's lots of beautiful nature around us here and never anywhere I have to go is no further than 10 minutes drive, which is pretty different than most, you know, the cities I've lived in. And I grew up in the New York suburbs and then I lived in DC and LA and as I said, the Bay Area. So this is the first small town I've kind of allowed myself to be in. That sounds like a wonderful place. Yes, Ashland is the name of it, by the way. Well, Ashland, Oregon. Yep. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. I'm going to change gears and ask you the question I always ask, which is, since you've turned 50, what three superpowers have you developed? Okay, well, I, I was had fun thinking about this, how to answer you. So I'll start with the obvious. I, I'm kind of good with words. So uh, writing is one of my superpowers. I'm not afraid to say so now. Um, so I'll celebrate. Um, the fact that I'm living my authentic self, I guess this, um, as I said, didn't start at 50, although I was definitely moving in that direction at 50. But I, I think I also came up with one other that was a surprise to me is that um, I'm, I'm great in a crisis. That is, I'm fearless. And I was thinking about that, um, how the origin of this skill or this superpower isn't great in that, you know, when you grow up in an alcoholic household, chaos is everywhere. You mistakenly believe, even though you're six, that you're the only adult in the room. Um, but, um, so you develop this, you know, kind of iron will to make things be okay. And, uh, so that can make you, um, kind of defended in a way, which I had to deal with a lot of my life, but, um, it's handy when a true crisis comes. And, um, so I can celebrate that now that, um, 
you know, if there's a fire or an earthquake or whatever, um, all hell breaks loose. I'm one of those people who will be calm and like, we'll get it done. So I will celebrate that too. Well, I'm glad you found something inside yourself you didn't realize you had. Yes. An exercise for all of us to think yeah. about how we've developed over the years and what has come out of all of our life's experiences. So I thank you for sharing that. And I thank you for sharing your story because there are plenty of women out there who've always dreamed of writing a book and seeing someone else do it and be successful at it is really very inspiring. So um, if somebody wants to find you, where would they go? They can go to my website, which is victoriacostelloauthor.com. And I have my classes and book events and things on there. So yeah, I, and I welcome anybody who wants to ask questions about how I have done it or what they might need to do to do it too, if that's your ambition. And yes, just start writing is my other advice. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody, for um, listening to our podcast. Go to my website and sign up for our free um, blogs that I send out every week. And have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.